0: How's it going, eh? Oh, hold on. You're not allowed to do that before I'm. <laughs> I thought I was ready, but I'm not ready. You don't
1: have to do that every single time. Yes, I do. All right. How's it going, eh? It's going pretty good. That's um, good. Yeah. What's, uh, what's up with your shoes?
0: I tell you what, usually I buy <laughs> the same shoes. Paint fill of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I go to Big Five and I buy um, bullets, first of all. Well, yeah, obviously, go, go <laughs> play the clip. Yeah. We need more ammo. Let's go to Big Five. By the way, whenever you play those clips, you got to take out the part where I talk about the clip.
1: I mean, it depends because sometimes I kind of like you saying "cue clip" and then it happens. <laughs> no, no, not,
0: not the "cue clip" part, but me explaining the whole thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Thing. I, I, Usually, I, leave those. Turn it yeah, down because I'm uh, blasting out the, the things. And the, I try, and sometimes I'm just too tired or uh, rushed to <laughs> forget about it. I yeah, I,
0: le- I leave it in to remind you about what's, mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. In hopes that you will then cut that part out, right? Um, uh, uh, other than me saying cue
1: yeah. the clip or whatever. Usually, okay. I can get rid of it, but sometimes I feel like it it needs a little more context, depending on what it is, because it's easy to visualize it when you know it so well. Like if it's mm-hmm. Seinfeld, you you can quote you know reams of that stuff. I guess that's true. And and see it in your head. It's it's harder for maybe somebody who isn't as familiar to, hey. to remember. It took. I mean. Speaking from personal experience, it took me a little while sometimes. It has taken me. All right. (laughs) then I see it. I was watching a bunch of um, Seinfeld bloopers. Yep. uh, Season nine. And apparently, Mm -hmm. they had a lot of trouble using that scene where, um, oh, I can't remember the character actor. He leans over at the dinner party and says, I think you're a fox. Fox. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. and now, did they ever put that in the actual show? Yeah, they have a usable tape. Yeah,
0: that's in there. Okay, okay. But they had they had cameras all the way around the table, right. so one for every character mm-hmm. or those pair, pairs of characters. Right. So they had like seven or eight or nine cameras going, so they were able to get enough of a yeah, shot.
1: Right. But apparently, she <laughs> never didn't crack up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was he the porn guy or was that the other guy? He was. The they guy? told them he was the porn guy, but. They they told her he was a born guy, but he's not.
0: Oh, okay. Apparently, That's one of those one of those myths that, <laughs> that
1: uh, continued. Right. Yes.
0: All right. So so I go to Big Five for my shoes typically uh, the last uh, several years. Right. Probably the last uh, maybe four pairs, and I get the same pair because they're comfortable and I, I like the style and so forth. Okay. Cut to Oregon where I'm in a a wet climate <laughs> and and possibly even cue Jerry Seinfeld's uh, stand up bit about. <laughs> Let me in. It's raining out here. Let me in. I'm suede. <laughs> you know, I'm, you can't wear suede out in the rain without or in muddy puddles without uh, wrecking the suede. Right. So I figured I'd get some new shoes. Okay. And I was eh, somewhat suckered in <laughs> by these uh, uh, Dockers shoes. I, mm. I, of course, I didn't get to try them out because they were on Amazon. S- seduced by the brand. <laughs> no, I, well,
1: <laughs> I, no, I overlooked. <laughs> it's like candy to five-year-olds for middle-aged yeah. men. Oh, Dockers! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, normally, I've
0: avoided them unless they were on like unbelievable sale because uh-huh. I've always considered them a little overpriced.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, but anyway, I found out that they made shoes or branded
0: <laughs> some shoes. Yeah,
1: you'd be surprised. Um, I was uh, I was very surprised to find that Under Armour makes shoes as well. Mm-hmm. And not only yeah. that, they were a pair of the best shoes I ever had. Best sneakers. Oh. It's uh, oh, that's they were awesome. quite amazing. I don't know who made them for them, but it's uh, super durable.
0: And they have this um, so-called never-wet technology. You know, it's the, uh, what do they call it, Um, hydrophobic
1: uh, coating
0: Uh on them. So I said, okay, that's good. And they look nice and um, sort of biz (laughs) cash look to them. The other thing is they have um, 360 flex, Mm. I think they call it. It's sort of a stretchy-esque fabric um, material on on the uppers. Uh, So people are saying, oh, these are the most comfortable shoes, et cetera. Uh-huh. they did not have a wide size, Ew. and I bought them anyway. Uh, and my feet are killing me. Right. I, f- I thought, yeah, I never... like Icarus, my hubris made me <laughs> go for it. But I figured I could fix it with insoles, inserts. Uh-huh. And no, no, it's just painful on the, the outside of the ball of my foot. It's, right. just, it's just not hacking it, or it's getting hacked off. So I'm going to go and say I don't care if the suede gets wrecked. Uh-huh. Those are really comfortable shoes, and that's just the way it's gonna be.
1: Yeah Q 30 Helen's talking about uh, a good pair of shoes. Sensible shoes make sense. I spend a lot of time on my feet, and these make it a lot easier. My God, your feet are what you walk on. Thirty Helens agree. You can't pay too much for a good pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Time for new shoes. Never, don't buy wide the the wide thing. Yep. I I've, I have not been sorry the last several pairs.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're a third the price. The shoes I get are always. Oh, I see. Quote unquote on sale, but are old but, reliable. Yeah. So good thing King <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: No transitions. That's the show yes. now.
0: That's right. So then I was listening to the radio as one does. Some of us does. Good Thing came on by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And there's a band you don't uh, hear enough about.
1: (laughs) I usually just think of them as the dudes in the weird suits. Yeah. The corny. Well, they
0: were sort of America's answer to the Beatles, uh, Uh, in a sense. Were they? (laughs) And by America's, I mean their answer.
1: mm Hmm. I, I think they were mm. I think they're kind of America's are part of America's answer to the British invasion in general, not necessarily the Beatles, oh, because the Beach Boys me. were the answer to the Beatles, and they I, and I they misspoke. were both like the the Beatles were the answer to the Beach Boys, and, and yeah, really probably more point of fact.
0: Yes, I misspoke.
1: Uh, okay, the they were they were sort of America's uh,
0: answer to the British invasion. Yeah. Yes, which with their gimmick being uh, right, you know, true blue
1: American uh, sure. Revolutionary War
0: outfits. Stuff.
1: uh-huh and, and that uh, sort of mod scene that Austin Powers parodies that that's a, like it's, it's an American reflection of sort of that aesthetic yeah, swinging London <laughs> right
0: so Paul Revere Dick is uh, his full name, and um, for some reason he decided to go with Paul Revere. As his uh, legally changed stage name and got a couple of, uh, of folks together in their hometowns in Idaho near Boise and recorded some stuff, went to Hollywood mm-hmm. and became the house band for, what was that show? Dick Clark's, I don't know, What's Happening Now or something like that. It was, it was sort of like an American bandstand. Uh,
1: was it pre-American bandstand?
0: It may have been. It was 60, huh. i maybe not. Don't know. And so they became the house band for that and they were famous <laughs> because of that. So they were... They were doing covers of, you know, the latest
1: tunes. Sure. Did they did they sort of back uh, guest musicians like a pop star would come in and they would be the the backing band? Like uh, if you were on David Letterman, I I,
0: I don't know because huh. I never saw a clip of the show. I just saw that they were uh, referred to as the house band for mm-hmm. two or three or four years, however long it ran. Huh. And so I assume so. That's what I would that's what I would guess. And they became famous in their own right and started putting out tunes. Right. Then um, they, they got involved with uh, Terry Melcher, mm-hmm. and um, he helped them to uh, rocket them to even more fame. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and who was he? Who is Terry Milcher? Terry Milcher was Terry Melcher? Terry Melcher was a a big producer yeah. at the time. He, uh, let's see, besides uh, being a musician himself, he introduced Van Dyke Parks to Brian Wilson. Okay. And they collaborated on the the Smile Project.
1: A Van musical matchmaker, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Terry Melcher produced uh, the stuff for the um, the Birds. Uh-huh. Turn, 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 and so forth. A key player in getting those right. those bits out to the public. So back to good thing. But it's interesting listening to it because it's kind of straddling multiple styles. Yeah, you know they're like trying to hit all the buzz <laughs> buttons for uh, right. you know mid '60s. Mm-hmm. I think came out in '66, maybe mm-hmm. '67
1: and um, it's on spirit of 67 and uh, maybe it was a single before that i don't know so, i don't know so i think it
0: yeah i think it came out in 66 okay so single first and then album
1: perhaps mm, yeah sure. uh,
0: here's a, here's a little clip Mm-hmm. And so you got you got Power Bear and the Raiders, their own sort of sound, but I mean mm, kind clearly of. trying to emulate like Rolling Stones mm-hmm. vocally. Or the Animals, Eric Burden. Yeah, yeah. And they got uh, you got Little Mamas and Papas in there. Mm-hmm. You got some super obvious Beach Boys,
1: <laughs> really obvious
0: bit in the bridge, and, yeah. or
1: um, uh, the Association was what I thought of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wendy,
1: along comes mm-hmm. Mary. You know mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. it's that not echoey. during the Beach Boys
0: part, but within no, there. yeah. It, but it mashes it in with that. Yeah. So, and then some early, like almost a precursor to some of the harder rock stuff mm-hmm. uh, to come. So it's an interesting mix of, uh, of stuff in one
1: tune. Yeah, right. weird for for them.
0: Yeah, they were kind of like another the monkeys.
1: <laughs> well, except that they were all uh, sort of experienced musicians, whereas they were legit. For, yeah, yeah. For the monkeys, they were like uh, Peter and Michael were the only you know sort of practiced musicians. The other two mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of experience, but not a lot, not mm-hmm. much. I think, yeah. I think Mickey was either a guitar player or just a singer, I don't remember. He played an instrument, but he. It, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was drums, I think it was guitar. Yeah, the
0: monkeys got together more as the gimmick mm-hmm. versus Paul Rodriguez well, being an actual band.
1: Yeah, just already. Literally, literally deliberately manufactured,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but obviously an amazing chemistry between them, mm-hmm. So, uh, and then they got ambitious, and like anybody else, you know, when you... <laughs> They, they had to go out on the road and practice and, you know, yeah. playing live is probably the, the best uh, practice regimen. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pressure to perform. And when they could, they took those skills back into a studio setting and made some of their own stuff. All right. Head is not the greatest piece of music and or film, but it was them, you know, doing something they wanted to do. If they'd hung together, I think they, they could have turned it into something on their own probably but once they were mm-hmm. once they were especially mike once mike had the uh, attention that he needed he didn't he didn't need the band anymore mm-hmm. and he didn't and he wanted to go off and do country rock and not not the rock and roll thing yeah specifically interesting i don't know i think they were all a little tired of the machine and oh, maybe each other yeah. <laughs> at that time as well. Yeah. They're cranking out, uh, TV episodes besides. So, yeah. Oh, you know. well, there's such a, there's a lot of good, um, documentaries and segments about uh, how they made the show. It's, re- it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that stuff together the way they yeah. did. Really, really strange. Dude. Anyway, uh, that's so, the monkeys. Let's. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> so the last
0: thing about, uh, about that that reminded me of, of the monkeys was Paul Revere and the Raiders. They had, you know, like nicknames. There's, um, Jim Valley was Harpo and Phil Volt was oh, Fang. Sure. Well, I mean the monkeys didn't have nicknames, but No, but I mean they had like a gimmick for each person. Yeah. Almost like the uh, uh, um,
1: pseudo personality.
0: Yeah, that thing you do came, you know, they were they were talking about, you know, okay, you got you're here, uh, where these dr- wear these sunglasses. Now right? we're gonna call you shades. Yeah. You know? So And the drummer yeah. was Smitty, because his <laughs> last name was Smith, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, so, yeah. so you're the you're the lover boy. And <laughs> yeah. you're the you're the goofy. Right. One, you're the baby face. You're, you're the, the lovesick blah,
1: blah, blah. pretty boy. You're yeah. the lovable idiot.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. uh, You're the
1: irascible dad. <laughs> you're the uh, funny goofball. Ha, you know, uh, quick wit. <laughs> they actually, the uh,
0: yeah.
1: Um, Paul Revere
0: was the sort of irascible uncle uh-huh. character, is what I, right. I saw him described as, and he was like, th- I don't know, three years older than the sure. other guys. So. which
1: matters when you're twenty
0: there, he was twenty one and um, okay the pretty boy um, mark no Mark Lindsay, Lindsay was the, the vocal guy yeah, yeah. The, the vocalist mark, mark Lindsay, was mm-hmm. uh, was nineteen when they met did yeah. know
1: did not know they were such kids interesting yeah, yeah.
0: well then I got this little folding keyboard, this little Bluetooth keyboard for the ipad yeah. it's pretty cool it's like it's maybe i don 't know a little bigger than a, a large wallet huh. and it uh, it just folds in half, so you open it up and it's, uh, it's got that ergonomic tilt, you know, with a space in between <laughs> yeah. the two halves of keyboards. So they're, they're full size keys, but they're kind of close together. But when they, they shifted them out into that, um, that configuration, it's pretty comfortable to type on. It's, it's, uh, works really well. Nice. I was surprised it pairs, you know, right up with the iPad or your phone or you could do anything with Bluetooth. So mm-hmm. you could just ch- hit a key for Android or Windows or iOS. Pretty neat. Excellent. Even- Neat little keyboard. So I was—I've been using that to, to type on instead of using my thumbs.
1: And who makes it? Uh,
0: it's it is uh, I, clever. I clever. The letter I hmm. followed by clever.
1: Not a sponsor. Uh,
0: not yet. <laughs> Maybe by the time you folks listen to this, if you want. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like um, I think it was like twenty five dollars. Uh, it's got a rechargeable right. You know, Just plug it into the and USB. it folds. What's the how small does it fold up? Oh man, you, you fold it flat. It's probably less than half an inch thick, uh-huh. you know. And like I say, about the size of a big wallet in area. Huh. It's, wow, um, that's let's tiny. see. If I'm holding it up to the to the iPad screen, it's if I'm holding it lengthwise, it's mm-hmm. not quite as as um, as long as the short side of the iPad. Yeah,
1: you know, does it fold uh, in
0: half or in thirds or it it, it folds in half in half. Yeah, oh. it just folds how you, together. How does it
1: work with your our our family fat fingers?
0: Oh, it's fine. Yeah, the keys oh. themselves are full size keys, like tip. Full size oh. keyboard keys like you would mm-hmm. normally have, S- eh, slightly closer together maybe, sure. but not much. Yeah. And with the hand angle, it works pretty well. It's, it didn't take much to get used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just little little things. If you're used to, there is an escape key, but it's uh, you, do, you have to hit function for that. You know, so there there's a function key that helps with several things like uh, page up, page down, home, end. And just, pick up. If you yeah, or if you don't hit function, those are also the arrow keys. So there's a, there are some redu- not redundant what do you call them du- uh, dual function mm-hmm. keys you know yeah. you can, but it's got alt and ctrl <laughs> on there and uh, yeah, that's kind of nifty i like it i was nice. surprised to uh, to find out that
1: it was a, a good bargain hmm. um, yeah i haven't done a lot of typing on the ipad but um my my thumbs are pretty good for the phone mhm i just i haven't had occasion to need a keyboard for the phone because i use my laptop so much yeah. The more
0: I use my iPad, especially at school, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. a little bit quicker. It's true. So, yeah.
1: You can transition. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you got? Something by like King's Cross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know why I started here. Every once in a while, it'll just strike my brain. Something will spark the memory and I'll remember one of these songs. I don't know, some song from a band I love. I mm-hmm. just Words cannot express the, the depth of my affection for this band. King's X, I have adored since the first song I ever heard by them. That would have Uh, been mid-80s. 1989 in Australia. All right. They didn't start. Their first album didn't come out until 88. Okay. I believe. It was right around there. Um, Mm -hmm. But 89, I heard them uh, do um, Out of the Silent Planet. I think that's the song. From Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska, and <laughs> I don't remember. Did I get that while I was in Australia or when I got back home? Uh, one of the two. Mm-hmm. I, I, as soon as I could, uh, as soon as I could find it, I, I bought it and I wore it out. Are they an English band? They are not. Okay. They are uh, originally, I, think, I suppose, it's kind of from Texas, um, but American band. Yeah, an American band uh, from the South ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Tie the guitar players from Mississippi, and uh, the other two I think I think Doug is maybe from Houston or somewhere in the south and immigrated to Houston anyway, but they are their uh, their they're, they're metal band sort of rose to prominence because they were considered uh, in the Christian fold hey. uh, beca- because they sort of dared to write about faith mm-hmm. in the music, um, but they didn't try to um, get signed to a Christian label. Um, nor did they, you know, advocate any particular brand of Christianity, if you like. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they did get attention for having, you know, faith talk in their lyrics mm-hmm. and were sold in Christian bookstores for a time uh-huh. because of that. Um, so that was a little boost, but they never really got huge. Right. Um, just big enough to get noticed you know, by those sort of in the know, um, and in the metal world, you know, people—it's a niche, or used to be a niche thing anyway—and they they became known to other musicians for their fine technical skills.
0: Right now, do you think that they were a little lesser known because they were on the maybe the tail end of the, the heavy metal peak, being it, coming in at eighty nine?
1: No, because they were never um, they were never part of the hair thing. Mm-hmm. They were part of, of uh, that, the the harder sound.
0: Closer to like Metallica was coming around then.
1: Uh, but they weren't that hardcore thing either. Hmm. They were more of, uh, they were, so here we go, uh, again, a reflection, right, of the British new wave of, the new wave of British heavy metal coming across Iron Maiden and, you know, Judas Priest and stuff. Um, right. They were way more in league with that style than they were with the the sort of um, declining, <laughs> declining hair metal thing, mm-hmm. uh, pop metal. Even if you like, uh, that was happening in the U.S. and uh, well-known two musicians because um, they could play uh, incredibly well yeah. and uh, were terrific singers. All three they do they do close harmony in a lot of songs mm-hmm. and are um, they're just extremely adept all around. So that kept them, that kept them uh, moving around in circles. You know, any musician's musician (laughs) will tend to be mentioned because people ask, well, who do you, you know, who do you like? Who do you listen to? What are your Mm -hmm. things? And they'll, they'll they'll just get thrown out every once in a while. I'm like, boy, King's X is just really, really great. I don't know why they're not huge. And of course Mm -hmm. they're not huge because (laughs) A, they sing about, you know, God in any capacity, mm-hmm. that'll that'll marginalize a metal band, right? Uh, I, I mean, anywhere outside of Christianity, you know, purchasing and B, they're just kind of they weren't any one particular thing, so yeah. it was hard to pigeonhole them, right? Right. So they're not. So they they sing about this the the faith part, but they're not really a Christian band, and they couldn't get a lot
0: of airplay. On, no. uh, on any particular station.
1: Yeah, it would be one of those Headbangers Ball type things on MTV yeah. where it's just like, here's a, here's, you know, here's a video by King's X and it's amazing, but uh, not a particularly radio-friendly thing at first. Yeah. You know, they, they flirted in and out with mainstream success, but then um, you know, just never quite, quote-unquote, made it you mm-hmm. know, big, if you like. Um, never into a sort of quitting-your-day-job-forever level because they didn't <laughs> sell enough. Yeah, and but they never sold out either, so that's uh, good. I just I just really, really love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this. Oh, speaking.
0: Of, speak Wait, wait. Speaking of selling out, <laughs> I, I, you know, these pharmaceutical companies are grabbing up, you know, classic rock uh, tunes. Are they uh, left and right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's some medication that they do, um, where they do some Earth Wind and Fire tune, and yeah. uh, <laughs> yesterday I heard one. Or maybe it was even this morning. I think it was this morning. I heard one that were doing ABC Jackson <laughs> 5. I thought even you know at 2 Jackson's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, they're not above um, they're not above licensing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I do now remember why I thought of them. It's because we were talking about this dissonance in music and in um, Oh yeah. you know, song and lyric. Uh, or to, <laughs> those make sense in in music and lyric, uh, vocals and you know uh, instrument,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that is the, the the hook the core of this particular song that I thought of. It's a little I guess it's a chorus. <laughs> it's just them singing ooh. Yeah, the ooh song. <laughs> yeah. And they call it ooh song. It's yeah. uh, it's this one. So, the, uh-huh. it, it's a nice, um, there's a, you know, there's a, a second chord there, a sus two, right? That's really, uh, it feels really nice on the ear despite being mm-hmm. dissonant. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't know why. <laughs> if you're not a musician, right? If you're not yeah. familiar with the music. I was going to say. I'm like, oh, that's what, <laughs> that's what musicians do. They go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cue
0: theremin. <laughs> like, when you say you may not know
1: why. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how a lot of music works, isn't it? It, it sure is. <laughs> I don't is. know why. I just it's like not. it. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, really great. And and uh, a lot of different types of um, I don't know ways of playing. It, it, they string a lot of things together that you wouldn't think go in a song, like the the sort of gospel singing element that Doug does, mm-hmm. uh, along with the metal guitars, along with the uh, the Beatles harmonies. And this is something else I thought of. People call them Beatlesque. Their harmonies are Beatlesque, <laughs> and I was Th- that King's X
0: yeah. harmonies are Beatlesque. Oh, right.
1: that's interesting. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out what they meant, what or what people do nec- you know, generally mean by that, because they said the same thing about XTC. Right there, they have Beatlesque tunes. Mm. Um, and apart from, I think the sort of three and a half minute clever pop song. Yeah, you know, it's got a. a, a a catchy melody with some hooks in there um, I think they mean a sort of looseness with the the um, patterns of harmony so if you listen to something like the Everly Brothers they tend to track you know a third or fifth above mm-hmm. the other guy and a lot of harmony vocals will tend to do that they'll, they'll just follow the melody uh, you know in a different pitch Yeah. In harmony up and down. Whereas uh, Beatles did a lot of just on the fly working out of the harmonies, you know, in contrast to Brian Wilson, who sort of heard it in his head and rolled it around until it was, you know, complex enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think they sort of have different parts for their harmonies that mesh into this one whole. So they'll hold a note along while the melody goes up and down, and it sort of, it, it blends in different ways, mm-hmm. creates different chords, instead of just keeping the, a similar chord or the same chord and moving it up and down in pitch with the melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, I, I, I feel that's what people mean in general when they say that. Uh, but really, it's, it's kind of m- more Crosby, Stills, and Nash, because they, um, in large part, improvise their harmonies too. Right, they didn't did meticulously that. work out the harmonies ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. just they would do a melody, they would do a a vocal line, yeah. and then David Crosby, especially doing the middle part, usually just winged it. Yeah, Just yeah. off the top of his head, usually. According mm-hmm. to
0: him, they just knew their uh, their sound. Mm-hmm. They were good enough singers, or good enough uh, yeah good enough singers yeah. that um, that they could pull that off. That's pretty impressive, for sure. Oh, I should say even more impressive. <laughs> yes, because <even laughs> I was impressive. already impressed mm-hmm. with their vocals, <laughs> with their musicianship. So, yeah, neat.
1: Indeed. Hmm.
0: Well, that's all we have, folks. But if you want to send us an email about life, the universe,
1: and everything—wait,
0: no, that was episode forty-two. Dang, yeah.
1: You could send it to
0: Bros at It's Just Called Two Brothers
1: <laughs> uh, If you tweet, you can tweet at us at
0: IJC2E, and you blog every day at marcusharwell.com. And mm-hmm. I am uh, ever more intrigued by this um, New American mm-hmm. mythology project that yeah. you are um,
1: sort of hinting at with your animal drawings. I am. It's, a, it's, I, it's in the works. I just have to figure out how to present them. I have it, I have it there. <laughs> it's just about ready to go. I, I've mm-hmm. got to figure out how to, how to expose it, what to do on it. I don't just want to put up a slideshow or something. Right, no. So I want it to be simple enough to view on any device, but I I also want it to be its own thing. So as soon as I figure that out, I'll throw it out there. There there are several exhibitions that I can do.